Fired up for this one. Welcome to the Friday edition of Couch Potato Diary. None of you know this, and I could just go on without it, but I was so fired up, had to restart because I was peaking the audio too much. And even now it probably is, and it probably sounds like shit, but whatever. Welcome to Couch Potato Diary. This is going to be a good one today. Uh, it is a fighting and football Friday, and we have good breakdowns of both coming up. Uh, we have, of course, a pick per game coming up in a matter of moments, and then Rich Fan from Pro Wrestling Torch is going to stop by to break down what we have seen in professional wrestling. It was a fantastic week in pro wrestling. And then we learned some gross stuff about gross people. And so we get into all of that which with uh, Rich Fan coming up a little bit later on in the show. If you want to get in touch with the program, which is me, you can tweet me. I am at PrimetimeKline. Same thing goes for Instagram. Twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. Might be trying to get someone there this weekend. We'll see. And uh, all of our interviews going up on YouTube. So... Check us out there. Search Coach Potato Diary, and you can find me on YouTube. I am at PrimetimeKlein1. So, let's get into it. Let's start with the football stuff. Uh, we have a lot of other things that we're going to get to on the show today, but let's, uh, let's start things off with the National Football League. It is week two. Back in week one, we went seven and eight in our pick per game, so not the best start. And on the uh, the ones that we took a little bit more seriously on our actual ticket, we hit the teaser and we go f- uh, three and four on the week. So one game below 500, we're looking to, to do a little bit better here coming up in week two. So let's get into it. We did not get in on the Thursday nighter. We won't be as these shows comes uh, come out on Friday. Going to go more on the Thursday nighter when we come back at you on Monday. Uh, Buffalo Bills taking on the Miami Dolphins. I just like Bills minus three and a half in in this one. I I do think that Miami is an improved team, and I think that week one was a sneaky difficult matchup, and I don't know if they're getting the credit for getting out of there with a win, but I I do think that Buffalo is just a superior team. I think last week was... I'm not just going to say, well, we've spent the last year and a half talking about how good Buffalo is, but one week against Pittsburgh? Yeah, yeah, no, that's all over for them. I I don't think that that happens again. I think Buffalo comes out as a more focused group. I think they execute a little bit better, and I think they get the job done. So I think they cover at three and a half. Chicago taking on Cincinnati. I know we all saw Chicago get shit-kicked on Sunday night against the Rams. Cincinnati is not that. I don't think they're a very good football team still. I think they ran into another very not very good football team in Minnesota. I think Chicago covers two and a half here. So I will give up the points. Chicago minus two and a half. Denver taking on Jacksonville. This one could have been almost a hundred and I would have taken it. I like Denver minus six. Jacksonville, if, I wouldn't recommend going back and watching it because uh, four hours of your life you're never getting back. Although condensed version of the game. It's only 50 minutes of your life you're never getting back. But Jacksonville was terrible. Like, that that was easily the worst performance of the weekend. Houston wasn't even that good. But they come away with the win in that game. I think Denver kills them. So, yes, give me minus six. And on that note, Houston wasn't very good against Cleveland. Or, sorry, Houston wasn't very good against Jacksonville. Now they take on a Cleveland Browns team that I think is going to just run them into the ground. So, I... I like uh, Houston, or sorry, I like Cleveland very big in this one, minus 13, and if we're looking at a teaser ticket, I don't mind that one. Vegas, on the road, taking on Pittsburgh. The thing that gives me pause from this game is Vegas does not travel well. They never have traveled well out to the East Coast. I I still don't think Pittsburgh's that good. I think the defense is very good. Um, the Raider defense... It, they concern me to a point where I don't know if I love the under in this game. 
I didn't write it down. It's at 47 right now. That's not bad. I might take I might take the under in this one, but I am taking Vegas plus six and a half. I think I think that they they at least keep uh, keep this one close. This was one of the ones I was surprised it was this close. Uh, the Rams taking on Indianapolis. I didn't see anything from either side of the ball on Indy that makes me think they can keep it close with the Rams, and I didn't see anything from the Rams that makes me think they should be concerned about Indianapolis. So. Give me all of the Rams minus three and a half in this one. I like that a lot. This one jumped quite a bit going from the action Sunday as it was New England. They opened as three point favorites that got bet up in a hurry. They now are six point favorites against the New York Jets. Still give me that. The Jets are going to be bad this year. And I think we'll be able to see New England get a little bit more done offensively against a New York Jets secondary that got lit up by Sam Darnold last week. Now, again, I don't think New York or I don't think New England's going to be that good. And I think by the end of the season, we're going to be giving Carolina a little bit more credit for their offense than what we're giving them right now. But I, I still think New England, sorry, New England just crushes the Jets, uh, the Jets. I'm sticking with Carolina. I'm going the the Panthers plus three and a half as they take on the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans got a very disinterested opponent last week and we're just able to blow them out early. I think Carolina has the weapons to keep this game close. And I think that we're going to see Jameis Winston relied on in a few more situations. And now we will see how can he handle that situation. So I will take the points with Carolina plus three and a half. San Francisco taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Give me the Niners minus three. I just think they're better. And I understand they have injuries now that I, I guess... Um, help us understand what happened against Detroit a little bit more, but still, I'm I'm not buying it from from Philadelphia. I think that this is a a very well-run offense, and I think that defense is still going to be good. I like the 49ers against Philadelphia. Tampa Bay taking on Atlanta. This is one, I don't love teasing it here. You're only getting down to five and a half on a tease. That's not fantastic. So I, 12 and a half is a lot. But you have Tampa Bay who had an extra few days to prepare for this Atlanta team, an extra few days rest, and Atlanta looked bad on the weekend. Uh, So, yeah, Tampa Bay, it's a little, my my whole list is a little chalky, but I I think Tampa Bay goes in and really puts a stamp on this division with the, the outing here against Atlanta. Arizona taking on Minnesota. This is another one I'm surprised it's this close. I bought everything that Arizona was selling this week. And I think, again, that pass rush is going to get, uh, going to get home against Kirk Cousins. I don't think that offense can do anything. And I don't I didn't see anything from Minnesota that makes me think that they can stop this Arizona. You had trouble with Joe Burrow last week. You think Kyler Murray in this offense isn't going to give them problems? Arizona minus three and a half. All day. Same thing with this Chargers one. People are disrespecting the Chargers. It was week one, and they pick up a big win on the road. Um, they, they get a little bit lucky, maybe, with Antonio Gibson's fumble. But I, I, again, see this as a Charger team that is going to be able to put up points. And if this is a shootout, which it, it probably is, I think the Chargers, A, get a couple more defensive stops. And I, I think that this can be a very good Charger offense as they start to get acclimated and start to get things figured out with this offense, with a new offense, with the Chargers. Tennessee taking on Seattle. I'll take the Titans plus six and a half. I think six and a half is a bit too high. I I think that this game stays close. I don't think Seattle, I don't think Seattle's defense is going to be so good that Tennessee just can't get any points on them. So give me the Titans plus six and a half. 
in this one. Now, that being said, I, I like the over as well on this one. That tolls at 54. It's pretty high, but give me Tennessee plus six and a half. Sunday night, little surprise by this one. Kansas City, only four point favorites against the Baltimore Ravens. They have generally had success against Baltimore. And when you look at the issues Baltimore had against the Raiders, a lot of it came because they were blitzing too much. If you blitz Patrick Mahomes and like they had trouble one-on-one guarding Darren Waller and Zay Jones. How do you think Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are going to handle this team? I think Kansas City lights them up. So I will take the Chargers minus four. Green Bay, another one that it looks like it might be a fun tease, but still you're only getting down to minus four and a half. So I don't think that's the way to go. I think Green Bay kills them. It's Again, it's very chalky. This whole card has been, but give me the Packers minus 11 and a half. So there you go. If gun to your head, you had to make a play on any of these games, that is the way I am going to go. As far as the games that'll actually end up on my ticket this week, there was a couple throughout the week I've been going back and forth. There's not a ton that I love this week, but we will go with the uh, the Rams, sorry, minus three and a half uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. We'll highlight that one. Uh, we will go Arizona minus three and a half against Minnesota. Let's highlight that one. Uh, and the Chargers minus three and a half against Dallas. We highlight this one. And again, I say, oh yeah, not a whole lot on this one, but we have a four, four game card after all is said and done with Kansas City and Baltimore. So those are your picks for the NFL week two, as that is a pick per game. music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. A monumental week in the world of professional wrestling at the first part of the week for good reasons, the last part of the week for very bad reasons. Um, Here to break it all down from Pro Wrestling Torch and the East Coast cast, it is Rich fan. Rich, thank you very much for doing this today. How are you? I'm great, Peter. Thanks for having me on. And I'm looking forward to chatting about uh, the week that was with you. Uh, well, we'll start with the good. And it was very good as uh, Big E is the new WWE champion. Uh, this is my first time saying that out loud. And it sounds fantastic to say. Uh, I guess, first of all, just just your reaction to something that is probably uh, a few years late, but better late than never, I suppose. Yeah, I think one of my first reactions was uh, amazement, pride, happiness, and then also the uh, the fact that it was such a momentous moment. I wound up writing like 1,700 words for this week's Torch newsletter just talking about the history of it because Big E being the fourth Black WWE champion in the history of the title is something that's pretty momentous. And also the fact that he won it from Bobby Lashley, also, you know, the third guy who held it as a black guy. So first time in history, a black man has held the title and handed it to another black man, which is again with Vince McMahon, uh, Jess McMahon, the whole family. That's something that again, like you said, with Biggie in general, it's been a long time coming still a little too better late than never, but I, I really appreciated uh, the the reception the crowd gave his coworkers, even folks who were out of the company like Bray Wyatt, he was just a good dude. So seeing a good dude get his moment in the sun is always welcome. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it was just it was one of those moments of just pure joy. And it was 
a lot of times as wrestling fans, we can be too smart for our own good. And it's a lot of, oh, well, what are they doing instead of what is he doing and stuff like that. And I didn't want to let the, this is obviously a hot shot to deal with Monday Night Football. And what are they going to do next? Because they're probably going to screw it up because that's what they do. I, I tried at least for a night to, to keep that out of my mind. Were you able to, to do that? And have you been able to do that, I guess? Yeah, for the first night, absolutely. I think NXT kind of did a better job of being the reality bucket. And that was kind of, Dis, disassociated from Biggie, so I was still fine with it. Uh, but yeah, I think even you know the money in the bank as a concept is always going to be a hot shot. But then you double down with the like you said the Monday Night Football. Uh, my my hope is that he isn't put in a position where every year we know the Monday Night ratings are going to be what they are against MNF. But if they blame it on him, that will be apparent in the way he's treated after he he loses the title because we've seen Kofi. He receded right back to where they wanted him to be as soon as that title was out of his hands. That is the crazy one to me. Like, if you just skipped wrestling for a few months, you wouldn't even know that this guy won the championship, right? Like, it was he, he was in a spot, and then he won the title, and now he's back in that exact same spot. And it's just like, it was one of those seasons of a TV show where it was just a dream, and none of this is real. Like, it's that, that part is absolutely crazy to me. Yeah. And, and it's you've seen it with, you know, because I, I, I didn't want to do it with just the lens of a black wrestler, because I know sometimes uh, some of my uh, non wrestling fans of color are kind of like, why is it always about race? Because you can think about Adolf Ziggler, right? He's in the similar position and he's won the title twice, mm -hmm. uh, the World Heavyweight title. And so that, that's there. But with the way you never saw with Dolph Ziggler's title losses get eviscerated. And that's what we saw with Kofi two times, both in losing the title. And then in being a challenger to Lashley and, and Lashley's defense of it, it seemed like he shouldn't have even been in the singles division. And that which was that was really disturbing, given, like you said, we had documentaries with him going to Ghana. We had him, you know, Kofi Mania sweeping the nation. We had MVP, Lashley and others crying when he won the title. And it was just poof, like you said, a dream. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do think that it is it's tough to ignore the, the race part of this as um, a lot more of the champions in WWE history have looked like me. I mean, none of them look like me, but you, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> but in terms of the, the importance of this moment in this time that we are in, how important is it to have, um, like you said, for the first time ever, a, a black superstar passing uh, the, the torch to another black superstar? I think it's really important. And I think, and that's one of the parts I touched upon in my, my newsletter article. It's seeing yourself on television before this, for those of you, you know, you said you, you know, you jokingly said you didn't see, but you know, we've seen tough dudes with beards that are white guys win the title. Mm -hmm. And that's what I see right now. When I see you, Peter, like tough guy, beard, Raiders hat, ready to, ready to jack me up. It's You're most fine. right. You're mo the tough part. Yeah. But aside from that, yeah. But and so we've seen it. And with black wrestlers up and, you know, I'm, I'm 40. So in 98, when The Rock won for me as a teenager, the apex of cool was The Rock. And he was the only black champion that they'd ever had. And so to me, that meant in order to be a black guy and be champion in this company, you have to be a generationally cool, transcendent figure. And then I look around and I also see no offense to him. Pop back. <laughs> And so it's like, wait, what? Yeah. And then if you look in the time between uh, The Rock in 98 and Kofi Mania, Vince gave himself the title. So he's looking around his roster and he's like, eh, could I? Mm, I think I'm going to need it. I'm going to need it. And so uh, there were several people on Twitter who had made the, 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 
I guess the, the thought that they were owning the conversation or de uh, derailing it by saying, well, it's fake, it's predetermined. So what does it matter? It's like, well, that makes it even worse because that means in your schemings of something in an imagined world, you could not fathom a black man in your company holding your highest title. Right. And so seeing that jump from The Rock to Kofi, and now in the three years post Kofi, we've now seen three different black world champions with the WWE title, not the Universal, not the ECW, even though Vince gave himself that as well with Lashley. Uh, is All of those things are kind of there. And so I'm really encouraged because my son, who isn't the biggest pro wrestling fan, he has the action figures. He knows who Big E is. He knows who Lashley is. He knows who uh, uh, he calls him Andre, but he knows him Andrade is. But that's, you know, that's him. Those are his guys. He sees them and he identifies. Rey Mysterio. I don't think there's a kid that will ever grow up and look at Rey Mysterio and not think if he can do it, I can do it. And that's the greatest thing about Rey Mysterio. But they still didn't get that. They would, you know, have to be dragged kicking and screaming to put him in world title picture. And so the more you get people who look like everyone who's in your demo, the better it is to retain those people. And heck, being selfish, maybe get some of them to want to come into your company. Look mm -hmm. at Sasha Banks as a Afro-Latina wrestler. She said that Eddie Guerrero was one of her idols. And so seeing someone who, from a similar background, easy fix. Uh, you look at Bailey being bullied, looking at wrestling as something as an escape. You look at, uh, no, now, I, I think when you look at the New Day, when you look at, uh, you know, the Euros that come in like Becky Lynch, you have folks that can now say a touch tone. If she can do it, if they can do it, I can do it. And I think that helps them. Uh, a bit of perspective that I, I hadn't really considered uh, what was from uh, post wrestling, the, the Nuvian Wrestling Alliance, the, the show that they uh, you were just on that one, actually. Um, mm -hmm. And the, the talk around like what happened with Bianca at SummerSlam. And it's like, yes, like th this has happened to Daniel Bryan before, but he's one of like 50. Bianca's one of like three. And it's like, oh, I, th that's that, that's not a perspective I had before. It's like, yeah, like that. I, I just I thought that was an interesting way of looking at things. Yeah, because it becomes an economy of scale when you think of it that way. Mm. It isn't just, you know, these people are, you know, it's just our regular booking. It's it when you have that few people and you only give those people the opportunity and then snatch it out there, it's going to be a tough time. Because when you're trying to explain to the folks who are following this, the question is going to be why. And you're saying, you know, on one hand, as a booker, I'm sure Vince McMahon could be saying, I'm just doing what I do with everyone else. But you can't because you haven't treated that clientele, that staff, like everyone else. It's not like we've seen the uh, random, you know, I always say with AEW, and I think I mentioned it on that uh, Nubian and Wrestling Advocates podcast, there isn't a black Darby Allen. Right. There isn't a black Orange Cassidy. Uh, you know, the, the old uh, alleged quote from uh, Michael P.S. Hayes, you know, a black wrestler with a gimmick other than being black is too many gimmicks. And that's that's the stuff they're fighting against because those folks are still in the higher echelons of WWE. And so as they try to develop these wrestlers, as they, you know, I'm really happy with what's going on now with Bianca. She's in a position. She's not too small for the moment against Becky. Becky's, I, I don't know if I mentioned it there, but I know I've mentioned it uh, at the torch in some spots. Becky's the best person to be working with right now because she is hell bent on getting women over and working with them. If this was, uh, you know, like old school triple eight we saw that with booker t he had that opportunity didn't take it now he tried to atone for it in my opinion with his years and years of 
uh, acquiring, developing, and putting black wrestlers and wrestlers, other wrestlers of color in prominent roles in NXT. But as we see, that's being blown up like Wiley Coyote right now too. So it, if you have that opportunity, being a helper is so much better. You look, you mentioned Danielson. He was in a similar role in handing the torch to Kofi at Kofi Mania. Mm-hmm. And that was easy for him. They, they didn't take anything. One of the first wrestlers of uh, CM Punk mentioned in AEW he wanted to wrestle was Powerhouse Hobbs. Again, not hard when you want to be an ally in this and realize, hey, you know, one of CM Punk's first things he did when he got to the main roster and he saw Kofi was, hey, you're riding with me. Those sorts of moments resonate with those wrestlers and resonate with me as a fan and as a columnist working with the torch. Those you can see the people who are about it and not just looking for the, the attaboy or the, the likes or retweets. Yeah. Um, how important was it for Big E to, to do this while staying Big E? Like he, he didn't have to change his character to be a super strict guy or anything like that. Like he, he, he was just able to be himself the whole way through. I think it was very important. And I want to say that it was Nate and then several others I follow on Twitter that had brought up the astute point, including uh, Shannon, who passed away, a friend of Cam's, uh, Seahawk on Twitter. I'm sure everyone listening and follows him. He's got like a billion followers. Uh, it, it's it's seeing a version of yourself or someone you know that isn't traditionally out there on television. Like being having Kofi, Biggie, and Xavier being blurreds that are also cool, that can stand up for themselves, and just quirky. Like Biggie's been quirky since the day he was on the main roster. I mean, the second him and uh, AJ Lee and Dolph Ziggler got together, even when they were heels, you know, the silly things he would do at Caitlyn, sniffing her shoe and stalking her, being on Total Divas uh, and, you know, hitting on Natalia's sister in the hot tub. And it's like, well, they won't, they. And even when Booker T said he had to be more serious, the very first thing he did on the next Raw was roll down the hill of the the, <laughs> the, the ramp. And, and it's like, that was his defiance. And it wasn't like an FU or something, but it was a, like, I'm going to be me and do this my way. And I'm glad he did. Because in between doing it his way, he created things like Our Heroes Rock, which is a Black history uh, program that is going to be GoFundMe uh, funded and just give an opportunity for students to see themselves and see heroes from history that may have been left behind. And so being all of Etor, bringing all of that to the table is great. You know, I I, I look at uh, uh, the Corn Belt Cowboy uh, in the indie scene, and he was playing at Iowa, and Big E told him, Hey, go, go to black and brave, get trained. And that's, that's him just doing it, being himself. He's not trying to, you know, lift as you climb. That's one of the mantras. One of my uh, uh, directors here at Pitt always says, and that's what I feel like Biggie always has tried to do. I mean, heck, he mentioned righteous reg in the black wrestler 500 in his first interview as champion and how he appreciated the spotlight being shown on folks in the independent scene that might not have already had it. So I think that was very important because then it shows you don't have to be this corporate shill in order to change. Like Drew McIntyre could be Drew McIntyre without it being weird. So I'm glad that uh, Kofi and then now Big E could do the same. Yeah, like Big E, the, the expectations, like you said, he has to be the, the corporate guy and he has to be the sell. And then Drew McIntyre can be in the main event scene talking about the Loch Ness Monster and this damn sword that he's using. It's like, you know, like, well, we're not that far removed from Macho Man Randy Savage being the champion with coffee creamers in his hands. Like, this is, mm-hmm. again, that there's that that kind of double standard that, I mean, has existed for forever. Yeah, and it's one of those, you know, you know, as a Black person, 
one of the things is like twice as good, twice as bad. No, you got to be everything twice as much. Or if you, if, for those of you who don't understand, if you ever saw Kingpin, when the uh, Amish gentleman is talking about he has to do half again as much as a, a normal person, and they realize they screwed up the whole concept of bowling. Uh, that's basically what Biggie had to deal with. You not only have to be corporate, you have to be a character. You not only have to hit the right demographics, you also have to be a person that can reach every demographic. And you you have to be a person that could be on the Today Show or, uh, you know, Dancing with the Stars. And I think one of the kudos, because I, I don't want to slate WWE entirely. I think they have warts, they have things they clearly have blind spots on. There may be unconscious or conscious biases present. But when it comes to finding people's uh, spots and then locking them into it, it's almost to a fault. Think about The Miz. He will do anything. My man's going to be gone for the next few months with Dancing with the Stars. He'll host a TV show. He'll do a movie. If they wanted him to go on one of those uh, 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 Mars X rovers, he'd do it and say he's the first superstar on, on the moon or first superstar to go into space. He is all in, and they, they in, enjoy that. I remember a couple of years ago when Charlotte was on the Today Show with Roman, and it became that reflection of this is who they want, two beautiful people talking beautifully, representing WWE. Big E can do the same, but he also might, you know, jump a peck or two. He might, you know, do a booty joke and it's fine. It's, it's just him. He's just a wild dude. Uh, in terms of the, the, the actual wrestling TV show, what do you think is next for, for Big E? Like who, who are some of the challengers you think get lined up for, for Big E in this title run? Well, I, the, the first off the bat, obviously a rematch with Bobby Lashley seems like it'd be in the cards because he can say, you know, I was injured and, all that good stuff. I know as champion, if uh, health permitting, give him his dream of big meaty men slapping meat against Goldberg. <laughs> just just give the man what he wants. Yeah. And the, the Batista, give me what I want. You know, just give him that. Uh, I also think, uh, especially since he's going to be such a happy face, bringing in some folks either from SmackDown through the draft that's going to occur in the next three weeks or, you know, elevating someone from, you know, as much as I love Bronson Rex Steiner, let's not let's not have him on Raw anytime soon. Let's not go too far. I feel like that's a Vin very Vince thing to do, but let 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 him let him cook a little bit. Let him cook. Uh, I do think Amos is down the line, and maybe I would hope an AJ Styles because I think a Biggie mm -hmm. AJ Styles match would open some eyes. Uh, much like I think there was a, a couple of years ago, there was a um, sequence they did during one of those like uh, gauntlet matches where people were like, "Oh crap, Biggie can!" Oh, it's him and Danielson. Him and Danielson had it during the gauntlet. And I was like, oh, crap, Bill, Big E can wrestle. I was like, yeah, it's there. Yeah. Um, talking about big, meaty men smacking me. Um, I I don't know why. I would love a Big E-Walter match. Like, I, I think that would be... I, I, I don't want Walter anywhere near the main roster except for uh, a, a meat-smacking match with, with Big E. I would love if he created almost like the uh, the U.S. Open challenge, a big meaty man slapping meat <laughs> challenge. Like you got it, you got it, you got it, you got to qualify. Like, and then you have people like, uh, oh, that would be great because in the back, the other members of the New Day could be weighing and measuring them to see. It's like mm -mm, this meat ain't big enough. No, nope. got to hit the bricks. <laughs> it's like nope. And then you get Walter's like, oh, we got a big one. Like yeah. beep beep beep, <laughs> like coming in, like yeah. whatever alarm they want to use. I think that would be so fun. I think oh. a super heavyweight challenge would be him, uh, him and Walter, him and Goldberg, him and Keith Lee, him and Amos, even Amos. I think that would just be, you know, revenge for his boys who got smoked by him at WrestleMania. Um, I'm trying to think of another big man that we haven't thought um, of. 
the, I mean, the dude with Apollo, uh, Dabakato. Um, he's yeah, oh, uh, Dabakato, yeah. He, he he's a large fellow as well. Yeah, that's like basically raw underground uh, reunion show. <laughs> yeah, they pull that off. Oh my god, yeah. So I think I think the sky's the limit as far as like the the super heavyweight showdown because there's so many guys that they can show can kind of Otis. I mean, heck, him and Otis mm, yep. can probably have a pretty fun match. Uh, just just keep it up and then have a small guy occasionally sneak in and they kind of, you know, I was thinking about uh, not one of the 24-7 guys, but uh, someone that's like a nefarious heel. Like, I could see Ali, like, weighing himself down with, like, extra weights. And he's like, see, <laughs> I qualified. Then, like, a 10-pound weight falls out of his pants or something. He's like, don't you wear shorts? And he's like, you know, things like that where it's funny, yeah. but it's also competitive. And I think he he's a great representative for that. And I think uh, as champion, he's going to he's going to have fun. Look at us giving these ideas away for free. What are we doing here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, one last one on, on Big E. The, the timing of this is they just had the uh, the New Day podcast talking about mental health issues after uh, the, the unfortunate events with Daphne. How, how important do you think that the timing is it from that uh, aspect of things as well with him being so open about mental health issues? I think it's important because one with Daphne uh, and her passing, uh, it's it's timely. And two, it shows a level of vulnerability that you don't get traditionally with black men, particularly black men with health care. And so being able to open up again, he's being a great role model, talking about how his football coach got him to go to counseling. And that was one of the best things that happened to him. And then, you know, Xavier joining in and talking about his experience and how uh, uh, Tyler Breeze and some of his roommates at the time looked out for him and got him the help he needed. I think that helps because when you see people like that, who you think uh, it's always like the Pagliacci situation um, where you just you see the clown or you see the entertainer and they're always happy and they have such pain that they're kind of working through on their own that they never show you. And so him opening that door, I think it's very brave and it's very bold. And it allows people to see themselves in him in a way that they might have before, might not have before. Uh, shifting gears now to, uh, to to AEW, as they are on some kind of a roll right now with all of the additions they brought in um, from from CM Punk and now Brian Danielson, Adam Cole. Um, I guess uh, there isn't really even a question here. I just kind of want to gush about how crazy AEW has been for the the last little bit. Now Arthur Ashe Stadium, and the, they're doing the, the big things there. Like this is. It really is a great time to be a wrestling fan with what AEW is doing right now. Absolutely. And they 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 want to emphasize triple underscore and then bold the fact that they're here for wrestling. Mm-hmm. And that is that's awesome. You see it. Brian Danielson this week. I don't care about the title. I want to wrestle you. That's a very Danielson thing to say. And that that's that's the more they do things like that. And I think of it like the the, the multi-stage rockets. You had these debuts and then that, that goes and then you have some more. And then that goes. And then in January uh, and I want to say end of the year, you have folks like Sami Zayn, Johnny Gargano, Kevin Steen, potentially up in their contracts. And those would be a, a great gets as well. But if they don't get them, I'll take those guys off the table who they have now. They're good. I mean, just the fact that Tony Khan is averse to doing a lot of the traditional raw or WWE uh, multiple replays of the same match. We have all these opportunities for fresh matches and fresh rematches. And, you know, you have Hangman Page coming back soon from uh, paternity leave. And so you're just going to have all these different elements that can be combustible. You have New Japan coming in. You have guys like Lee Moriarty. I'm a big fan of his. 
coming in as a young line, developing in their company, but also wrestling in MLW, hopefully wrestling for New Japan strong. You have Darius Lockhart saying, hey, tune in, I hear a revolution's coming. And so they're constantly turning talent over, bringing people in, developing someone like Red Death and bringing them from dark, dark elevation to now he's a regular in their semi-main and main scene as a heel. And it, you, you don't blink an eye. And so, and I haven't even talked about the main character. You, you got Ruby Soho, you got Danielson, you got Adam Cole opening versus CM Punk. And I'm sorry, uh, versus... Um, uh, Frankie the Future, well, not even that, that. I'm thinking like 20 years ago. Frankie Kazarian, <laughs> back when he was teamed with uh, Nova, he was going mm-hmm. by Frankie the Future, and I saw him a lot of the indies here. But now you got Frankie Kazarian going up against uh, Adam Cole and Adam Cole doing story time, CM Punk doing commentary. It's it's just a really cool time to watch them hit every single thing out of the park. Now, that doesn't mean everything's perfect, but even when they screw something up like a Suzuki's theme because of time constraints, they lean into the meme that went out there with the Suzuki incident and yeah. you, you made it part of the story. Very mobile, very, very, very mobile. And I love it. Yeah. Like if, if WWE did the thing with the screwed up pyro in the death match, we, we would still be making fun of them for it. But AEW was like, yeah, we screwed up. Kenny can't build a ring. Isn't that hilarious? And we were just like, yeah, it is funny. And, and they moved on. Like they just, they hit every note perfectly. You, you went through the list there and it's the thing that I am the most concerned with in AEW. Is it too much? Is it too many people? Because like the the Joey Janela Sunny Kiss storyline right now has been a, a pretty uh, good one, and it's on Dark Elevation, and like nine people know about it. Like I, I I do get concerned that with all the talent they have, and then like you said, Gargano and Steen and Sami Zayn, um, there the, there's not going to be less coming in. I I do worry sometimes that some very good people maybe aren't going to get the experience that they need to to kind of take that next step. I think some of it and the thing that helps them with this is their openness to other companies will be them allowing some of those wrestlers to go to other places and wrestle. Joey Janela, I said, is the secret VP of talent relations because a lot of those GCW guys are there because he did his spring breaks and he'd been so transformative and some of the ideas of supporting folks like Marco Stunt, like Orange Cassidy, getting them in there, getting them shown, getting them spotlighted. And I think having him be able to still bounce around the indies is great. Having someone like a jungle boy on every other week, if not on dynamite, at least talking on dynamite, then maybe wrestling on elevation or dark or rampage. I think they have just enough roster wise where it might be at the time where you send some people out and you say, Hey, come back when you're ready. And we'll, we'll welcome you back with open arms. Or as you get folks who are disgruntled, like Brian cage, if they feel like they could apply their trade elsewhere and they're not being used the right way, let them go about their way and see if they're, they can prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I, I do like the, the other companies um, on a quick aside. I like the, the, the off season thing has gone on a little bit too long. I will talk to anyone about how great MLW has been over the last little bit. And I like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm just speaking into the abyss sometime, but like the contra units, fantastic. Uh, give me all the, the Calvin Tankman, uh, like just all of MLW right now, I am here for. Yeah, same here. I love the Opera Cup. I even love the fact that they went and got the hearts to loan them the cup to use right. for the tournament and and talk about the history of it. I think the history is more important at times than the thing. Like, it could just be this little cup. I'm sure, you know, maybe one of the grandkids were using it to hold their Play-Doh at some point <laughs> at, the, at the Calgary, you know, estate. But now it's like this thing that people want. Or when you talked about Tankman, when he first showed up, I was like, what in the world? It, because he does stuff for a man that big 
I'm like, how this is like, mm-hmm. if I were to make him in a creator wrestler, it would say this limit doesn't exist. You can't do it. It's not <laughs> possible. I was like, yeah. well, I'm looking at him right here, buddy. And Jacob Fatu, if there's a world I live in where Jacob Fatu is one of the scariest men in it, it's not real. Like even I even cited, if you look at Roman's lay, he wears for main event matches. Jacob was wearing it when he first won the MLW title. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, it's a family thing. Like, and yeah. so, so it's like, yeah, Roman, Roman's the cool one, but Jacob's the scary one. So just keep <laughs> that in mind when you think about the family and you're good. Yeah. Well, and the thing that I love that they did, like they, they have in the middle of the show, the, the PWI top 10 rankings for the heavyweight championship. And it's like, you have an hour show. You're not going to get these guys on every week, but just a reminder, like Alex Hammerstone's a bad dude. Like we're not going to see him this week, but here's a couple clips of him killing guys. Just a reminder that this guy will ruin you. I, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. And I think Hammerstone's a great example of a person who kind of bided his time. He could have hopped on Twitter and complained about, I'm not getting pushed, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Nope. Stayed middle, middle, uh, what is it? The middleweight? No, no way. He's not a middleweight. Um, he's, uh, it's the open weight title, right? Open weight. Yeah. The yeah. open, he's open weight champ. He's been pushing for that match, but he's been doing it like a competitor, not like I didn't get the role I wanted in the play. And there's such a difference. And look at him. I, t- I, I when I first saw him in New York, I thought he was like a stretched out Shane Douglas. <laughs> and then the more I watched him, the more I'm like, no, man, this guy, he's got Shane Douglas's personality, his grit, his grit, his, his kind of like anger. But then doing moves like the nightmare pendulum at that size is just amazing. Yeah. And so seeing him and Jacob Fatu go at it finally and that champ versus champ match is going to be great. Seeing Contra try to rule the world and then dealing with Azteca Underground and Hefe like magnificent I, I i think and like you said it is like screaming into the void sometimes because with the the plethora of wrestling shows you can watch sometimes mlw gets pushed to the back of the line and they really shouldn't if we wanted to call some guys up from different promotions for our big meaty men um uh open that there's a few there like we talked about fatu and hammerstone mil muertis can, can smack it around as well which is a weird thing that just came out of my mouth that I didn't think of before I said it, but uh, they, they, they got some big dudes who can throw down as well. Yeah. And that would be, Oh my God. The idea of big E versus Jacob Fatu. Oh, oh man. And, and the levels they could say, like, is he, is he an agent for MLW? Is he an agent for Roman? Is he trying to undercut big E to make sure that ro- the, the, the bloodline stays like the number one, like, Oh, there's so many ways you can play. And then Hammerstone, I think here's the problem though. If Hammerstone showed up for an the big media open, Vince would probably drug him and keep him at the facility. He's like, no, 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 pal. You're not going anywhere else. I got you now. Yeah. Hey, because he would see him and he would do the Vince beam. He would see that happen again in real time. Just fall out of the chair and just pass <laughs> out and just want. It's like, I want more. Yeah. Um, one of the the not fun stories from the, the pro wrestling world that came out today. And, and I will admit, I... I, I didn't know about this. I, I didn't watch Dark Side of the Ring last night. So I woke up on Twitter uh, or woke up, saw that Ric Flair was trending on Twitter. And oh, shit, Ric Flair is trending on Twitter. Uh, I, I saw you retweeting uh, about this. The, the plane ride from hell was uh, the first up on the, the Dark Side of the Ring. And for me, and this is my ignorance, and I, I will fully admit to that. I just kind of thought it was, yeah, some wrestlers got drunk. They did some shit. And it, it's just the boys being the boys. And I, I think, unfortunately, it is the boys being the boys, and we're now realizing what that actually meant. Um, but I guess your reaction to the stories that have come out from the, the Plane Ride from Hell documentary. Yeah, that's exactly it. The Plane Ride from Hell had always been presented to me 
as these guys got drunk, got high, got stupid, almost died because Brock Lesnar and Mr. Perfect got into a, a brawl and almost knocked the, uh, the door off. And Vince is like losing his mind. JR is losing his mind. And a lot of people got fired. When you see it the way from the perspective of the flight attendants and you, I'm going to be honest. The flight attendants were, were harrowing and brave in telling their story. But every time Tommy Dreamer tried to counterpoint it, it made the situation worse. Mm-hmm. It was just so like, you know, hey, yeah, you know, Rick was standing in front of this woman. She doesn't know him from Adam. Yeah, his penis is out. He's got his robe on and he, he's walking toward her. But it was just a joke. I mean, I got two ponytails. That's a joke. I'm 50. What? Ah, that's crazy. It's like, dude, like, and, and, and I never wanted, especially as a man, I never wanted to have to come to you have a wife, you have daughters. What do you, if your wife or your daughter had that experience, would you still say it's a joke? You should be able to have some empathy and figure out that that wasn't a good situation. This woman is almost 20 years after the fact is breaking down. And his reaction to it is, well, if they were so offended, they could have done this in a court of law and it could have been adjudicated. It's like, do you hear yourself? Especially as the person who does talent relations for impact who got that job after there were allegation, alleg- uh, allegations of uh, impropriety from the person who left the position. It, what are you doing? And you go to Flair, and he's a guy who, these stories have been here for years, but the Ric Flair, you know, just like Ric Flair, you know, you have several uh, notable Black wrestlers say Ric Flair used the N-word. And it just, he is bulletproof because he's Ric Flair. And I think uh, folks have to realize that the 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 idea of boys will be boys wasn't it it wasn't excusable then mm-hmm. and it sure as heck not going to be excusable now when you're trying to legislate it after the fact when dark side of the ring covers it yeah and the the whole oh it was 20 years ago it's like that that woman is not living this as if it's 20 years ago that that woman is still experiencing this as if it happened yesterday and to, to try to belittle that experience. And again, it's one where like, I, I'm probably never going to be put in that position as, as a six foot four, uh, closer to 300 pounds than I'd like to admit, white dude, um, that this is, this is not a situation I'm probably going to be put in at any point in my life. And so for me to just be like, ah, oh, whatever, like that, that that's ridiculous. And, and that is what a, a lot of the last couple of years have been about where we have different incidents uh, and, and even the, the speaking out movement in pro wrestling where it's, hey, a lot of this shit's been going on and just boys will be boys isn't cutting it anymore. Yeah. And, and like you said, I saw several people this morning before I left for work say, uh, write to Dark Side of the Ring and say, you need to cover speaking out. That need and to cover Brit Res and kind of the, 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 the sex pests and all the stuff going on there. And they do. And I think Jericho being the voice of this was very uh, interesting because as you had folks like Jim Ross ask the questions and be and answer them that's the thing i i give jim ross a ton of credit because he could have played dumb during Mm -hmm. any of these incidents but he always just stands right in front of the firing squad where no one else will and own up to everything that happened like you have vincent linda mcmahon the president and his wife at that point i think the coo maybe of the company just they're at the front of the plane and they're like meh that's the so you're telling me these women are in danger and you have the highest ranking female staff member of the company and she just could give two craps right and 
that that's 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 the disappointing thing yeah and all of it is disappointing and again like i i i don't want to say i get it but like for for people who want to defend rick flair because well we've been cheering for rick flair this whole time and it's like when when real american hits first reaction want to cheer and then wait uh we know some things about this dude now that that aren't as great like i i do in one i don't want to say understand but i at least see where people are coming from where you you grew up idolizing these people you, you still want to have the this image of the 16 time world champion and the guy with the the largest arms in the world brother and, and cheering and reacting and all this stuff and sometimes uh, you, you just don't meet your heroes kind of a thing like i I, I, again, yep. there isn't really a question in this spot. It's just like, I see where people are coming from, but you do also have to grow up. Like you're not nine. Yeah. And that's where RVD, I loved RVD's role in this. Cause he actually said that Peter, I know you said you hadn't seen all he, he looked dead in the camera. You can see, it's like, that's what I learned from this. Don't meet your heroes. And I was like, you can see the hard, like RVD sees some crap and he saw crap that way. Yeah. So it's just, it's sad. And you know, the you know one thing that kind of and and everyone going to the fire line for Ric Flair, they're leaving out the fact that Brock Lesnar, you know, exposed himself to Terry Runnels. Mm -hmm. Dustin Runnels was trying to like serenade his ex-wife on the plane, but then when he sobered up, he was an agent of help to get Rick away from the flight attendants in the back. So this was just this was all wrong, and just you would hope people could realize it and just say do better be better and because i don't think the idea of you know people say cancel it isn't it's accountability right it, 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 you know just like randy orton crapping in women's handbags he's owned up like when randy can own up the stuff folks that means it's time for you to own up to your stuff too mm -hmm. one of the things that I, i've talked about on this show and then other platforms that i, I was able to have before is that there's enough good stuff out there. You don't need to support the pieces of shit. Like there's that there are enough good dudes out there in pro wrestling. We, we started talking about one of them. Uh, there are enough good guys out there in pro wrestling. You, you can just, I, I don't want to say ignore, but you, you don't got to cheer for these guys anymore. There, there are legitimate good guys that you can kind of put your support behind. Yeah. And that's the easy thing to do. You know, when Terry Balea showed who he was, it was easy for us to say, nice try, Terry. I'm, I'm, I'm out on you. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, you and you saw that were finally reflected a little bit during that mania in Tampa where, you know, they would cheer for Titus and boo Hogan. And they had to kind of sweeten it up because can't ever anyone realizing the, the Hulkster's getting booed, brother. Right. Um, so to, I don't want to close on a bad note. Uh, so to, to, to close this off, what else did we talk to about uh, a few promotions today? Anything else that's caught your eye in the world of pro wrestling that you want to give a shout out to right now? Yeah, I know uh, right now Bushi Road isn't getting a lot of love for New Japan, but I would say Stardom. Mm. Uh, Wondering Stardom is fantastic women's promotion in Japan. They have some of the best Roman wrestlers in the world, uh, two of which are a tag team, Siri and uh, Julia. Uh, currently, they're doing the five-star Grand Prix, which is kind of like their version of the G1 Climax Round Robin Tournament, where women are facing each other in blocks, getting points. Uh, Julia has a neck injury, so she's out. So she's going to be forfeiting some matches. But if you get a chance and you look on Stardom World or you look on their YouTube, they have a couple of free matches. And Fury, uh, in particular, ex MMA fighter, wrestled for you, uh, fought for UFC. Uh, she's a beast, man. Like she just the way she drops people, she takes open hand slaps like across the. Like it looks like you're getting hit with a brick. And it's just like, what is going on when I watch this woman fight? So I would say check that out. And I would also recommend strongly. Uh, I, I mean, I work uh, 
uh, in the Pittsburgh area. I work for Pitt. Uh, check out Enjoy Wrestling based out of Pittsburgh. Uh, they're going to have night moves in October, I want to say on the 8th. It's going to be a main event of Darius Lockhart versus Lee Moriarty. Uh, they've done some great shows. They're all free on YouTube. You can watch the first couple of TV ups there. And uh, yeah, I would say those are the two I would recommend. Nice. Uh, another one I, I kind of want to add on. I know this isn't like the super hot take or anything, but it's been real quiet around Ring of Honor basically since their Madison Square Garden show. And I feel like they're mm -hmm. the, the TV is still infuriating because you'll watch the, there'll be a pay-per-view and then there's four weeks of TV that don't mention pay-per-view. And now there's another pay-per-view. It's like, what the what did I who's yeah. champion? What did I miss? I like it, it. So that's infuriating. But when they do put on good shows, Ring of Honor still has some some real good stuff. And I feel like. Uh, we talked before about how there's all this influx of talent coming in. I feel like Ring of Honor probably needs to pounce on some more guys coming up here in the next little bit. Yeah, sign Tony Deppin. <laughs> there we go. Um, uh, Rich, thank you very much for doing this, Ben. I, I, I've liked your work from afar from a long time, so I'm really happy we've been able to, to have this chat. Uh, if people want to find you, how can they do that? Yeah, sure. You can find me on Twitter at Rich underscore fan, F-A-N-N. Or if they want to listen to anything I do, search PW Torch. And uh, typically I do the deep dive, which is a, a live cast show on Saturdays, everything with Rich Fan and uh, some other shows on the VIP side of things. But most notably, I started with the East Coast cast with Travis Bryant and Cam Hawkins, where we talk about wrestling, comics, life and kind of try to mix it up as much as possible. So if you get a chance, go VIP. If not, try to listen on the, the live cast side of things for free. See if you like it. Let me know. And I always love feedback. Awesome stuff, man. Really appreciate this. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. That is our show. Thank you very much to Rich Fan for coming on. That was a blast of a conversation. And if I had drops on the show, it provided us several, but definitely going to have um, Rich back on as that was so much fun to talk about. That's going to do it for the week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, for checking out my work over at Three Down Nation. I will be back chatting with you all next week. Have a great weekend. I'm out.